Welcome to the Rock Church Podcast. This is Amanda. We're so glad you're joining us today. We are a church family that exists to love God, love people, and do something about it. If you would like to learn more about us, you can visit us at rockc3.com or head over to your app store and search Rock C3 for our app. This is the second week of our series called Unhinged from Pastor Josh Finkley. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, Rock Church. It is so good to see you guys. I want to welcome you here if you're here in Conway or if you're watching online. Now, obviously, I am not with you physically, but I am glad to be with you digitally. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited because today I get to bring to you another message on this series that we're calling Unhinged. Uh, Now, Now, if you weren't with us last week, unhinged, what we're really talking about is how do we keep from getting unhinged in our mind? How do we, how do we keep from getting off track or off kilter or out of balance? And, and last week we talked about it from the idea of anger. Like how do we not get unhinged when it comes to anger? And, and honestly, throughout the week I had several people text me or, or send me a message on Facebook about, Hey, today it really helped. I, I started to get a little angry, but, but I didn't get unhinged. And, and I can tell you that for me personally, there were some times that things would happen. I'm like, no, I don't need to get unhinged about this. I need to just deal with what is in front of me and decide the proper response. So hopefully you're with us last week and it was very beneficial. And then again today, I hope today is very beneficial. Now, today we're going to talk about how do we keep from getting unhinged when it comes to sex and lust. Now, let's just admit it. In our world today, that is an area where many times we are getting unhinged, uh, that, that, that we get unhinged in our mind. Most people would say this, that the problem with sex and lust is we start thinking with the wrong body part. All right, that, that we, we think uh, with, with, with other things. And what, what I want to say is I, I think the real problem with sex and lust is we don't, we don't think with our mind. That, that we get unhinged in our head when it comes to this idea of sex and lust. And this is a real problem in America. It's a real problem in our lives personally. So I want us to talk about this. Now, you might be going, okay, well, actually, my kid is with me. Great, all right? This is gonna be a PG-13 message. You don't have to worry about uh, your child. It's actually probably gonna open up great conversations if you're sitting here with your teenager or maybe your uh, middle schooler or something like that. So, so let's just think about it. Like, why do we get unhinged when it comes to sex or when it comes to lust. And I think the reason we get unhinged is because we don't think properly about those issues. That, that we don't think like Jesus thought, that we don't think uh, like, well, according to what he had to say. And, and if that's the case, what he had to say, I think the best thing for us to do is just go dive into God's word and see what he had to say. 
He actually talked about sex and lust in a sermon that he preached. It's called the Sermon of the Mountain. We have it recorded in a couple different places in the Bible. And one of those places it's recorded is Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. Uh, let's look at the first verse. It, it says this, Matthew 5, 27. You'll see it right here on the screen. It says, you have heard the commandment that says, all right, now, when I say commandment, what, what, what Jesus is referring to there is he's talking back about the uh, old covenant, about the laws that Moses gave to the people that, that God said to them way back then, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Now, now let's just pause right there for a second. Like, I want you to see what Jesus said when he said you must not commit adultery. That, that what he's really getting at is he is saying you must not sleep with somebody who's not your spouse. What the world says is you must not sleep with somebody who's married to somebody else. Like, like I want you to hear the difference there. Because Jesus, God, is saying don't sleep with somebody who's not your spouse the, the people back then and today, we hear that word, don't commit adultery, as don't sleep with somebody who's married to somebody else. Do you see the major difference there? Like, it, it seems like it's just a little thing, but it's actually a huge thing. That, that Jesus isn't just saying don't sleep with somebody else's spouse. He's saying don't commit adultery, which means don't sleep with someone who's not your spouse. And there's a big difference. And, and I know in our world, that's, that's not how we actually define sex, is it? That's not how we like to define adultery, that, that we actually, you know, we would probably say this as, as a culture, uh, that, that culture would say that when it comes to sex, God is against it and culture defines it. I actually want to go a totally different direction and I want to say, no, God defines it and culture is against it. That, that culture is against maybe the way that God defines sex. That culture is against maybe even people when we think about sex. And, and here's what I mean by that. that. That when I say God defines it, that God defines sex. And, and, and one thing you need to know is the way God defines it is he says sex is good. See, too many times we think God is against sex, and God isn't against sex. You can see all the way through the Bible where God blesses sex when it is done in the right way. I mean, you can go to the very, very beginning of the Bible, the second chapter, like in the first pages. We see a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, that they are alone, that they are naked, and when Adam looks at Eve, he looks at her and he breaks forth in song. Like he actually starts singing and writing poetry in the moment. And God looks at him and says, you are to be one flesh, you are to come together, you are to be married. Now go and enjoy each other, enjoy sex, be fruitful and multiply. See, God's not against it. God actually blesses it when it is done in the right way. As I was preparing for this message, um, I came across a, a sermon that one of the pastors at Watermark, uh, one of the uh, sermons he preached. Now, uh, if you're not for sure, on, if, you, if you haven't heard of Watermark, it's a church down in Texas. It's actually the church that initiated and um, 
came up with the idea of the Regen ministry. If you don't know, we have a ministry here on our campus called Regen, and what it stands for is regeneration. Well, that was first formed at Watermark Church down in Texas, and now we partner with them. They send us curriculum so that we can run this Regen ministry, and uh, Regen is a, a phenomenal ministry that meets at six, uh, 6.30 here on our Conway campus, and all the things that we've been saying last week, this week, and the, over the next couple weeks really gets lived out in region. So you might want to check that out. But, but I bring that up for this reason. I was listening to a sermon from the church that originally started that ministry. And one of the pastors, he defined sex by using biblical words. He said, this is the way the Bible defines sex and sexuality. And, and I just want us to read his words because I think they're so good. They'll, they'll be on the screen. This is the way it reads. This, this is again, this is what he had to say about sex. He said, biblical sexuality is clear, it's simple, and it's life-giving. God created mankind in his image and assigned them genders, man and woman. He created them sexually and biologically different, but with equal personal dignity and value. He ordained marriage as a lifelong union between one man and one woman. Biblical sexuality is clear, simple, life-giving, and leads to a blessing, Cultural sexuality is complex, life-taking, ever-changing, and leads to brokenness. Like, look at that last sentence there. Or, or really the last two sentences. Biblical sexuality is clear, simple, life-giving, and leads to a blessing. See, that's what I want us to, to, to understand today. I want us to come to a point where we get a clear thought process and understanding that God designed sex to be a blessing. Yet, when we live it out by the way cultural, cultural says or the way cultural thinks, then what it ends up being is complex, life-taking, ever-changing, and leads to brokenness. That, that sexuality is constantly changing according to our cultural norms, and it leads to a brokenness. God's design for sex is a blessing. Culture's design for sex leads to brokenness. And I know this is real. I, I know first that, that even me making that statement uh, that, that another pastor had made and that, that I know for some of us, we hear that, we're like, oh, I don't know if I like the way that sounds. I know that. But I also know that many of us in this room We've experienced the brokenness of sex because we've went outside of God's design in many different forms and fashions. So I think that, that there's probably a testimony of the group that could say my errant thinking on sex and sexuality has led to some confusion and brokenness in my life. What I want to do today is I want to challenge us to change our thinking. I want to challenge us to start thinking different about sex. Because if we don't ever start thinking different about it, we'll always be unhinged in our mind. 
But if we can actually think about sex in the way that God thinks about it as a blessing that is to be lived out in his design, then it can lead to a blessing and it can keep us from being unhinged. And if we come to a clear, good understanding of God's design for sex, then it can help us deal with the issue of lust. That that if we come to a good understanding of sex, a good thought process of sex, it can help us come to a good thought process when it comes to lust. Now, let's just deal deal with it. Lust is something that probably all of us have had to deal with. Lust is something that has caused all of us to probably be unhinged. And let's look at what Jesus had to say about lust. Going back to Matthew 5, 27 uh, through 28, it reads like this. It says, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. All right, we dealt with that. But I say, this is Jesus, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, I know when you read that, you might go, okay, Jesus, you're asking too much. That, that if we've looked with lust, that we've committed adultery, that, that again, what he's saying is don't sleep with somebody who's not your spouse. And therefore, if you look at somebody, if you look at a woman in a lustful way, then in essence, you're sleeping with her and she's not your spouse. So Jesus is saying, we gotta, we gotta fight this war with our mind when it comes to lust. And, and if we're honest, most of us, we've lost this battle at many times. I, I'll tell you, one of the ways we've lost this battle is when you look at the porn industry. That, that, that porn runs wild in America right now. Let's look at just some stats when it, when it comes to porn, there's just some stats that, that I found. Here, here, here's a couple of them. That the porn industry's annual revenue is more than the MLB, than, than NFL, and NBA combined. Take all, and take all that revenue. And we know those sports agencies make a lot of money, yet the porn industry is more than all of them combined. Over 40 million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. That 68% of church-going men view porn on a regular basis. Now, I'm not trying to call anybody out right now, but here's what that stat means. Seven out of the 10 guys who are right here in Conway right now look at porn on a regular basis. That, that, that's a scary stat. That, that, that this one, that one out of three women under 25 search for porn at least once a month. So again, here's what that means. I know we're a church with a ton of young adults that one out of three of you young adult women who are listening right now, that you look at porn at least once a month. And porn will wreck our lives because what it is, is it's lust causing us to be unhinged and lived out. Uh, let's look at a couple other stats. Here, here's a couple more. It says this, porn is a problem in the homes of 47% of families in the U.S. Basically 50%, basically half of us that we're dealing with porn in our house. That pornography use increases marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. That when you bring porn into your marriage, 
you are 300 times more likely to go out and have an affair on your spouse. And I know some, some families will say, well, we bring porn into the bedroom to spice up our sex life. Well, understand, when you do, you're also bringing infidelity possibilities into your bedroom. And I don't think anybody wants that. Or, or here's this one. 50%, uh, 56% of divorces in America involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornography websites. So again, porn is going to ruin your marriage. Uh, but... But what about your kids? 11 is the average age that a child is first exposed to porn. 11. A 14 is the age that 94% of children will have seen porn by. Like, like, like this one, this is a scary stat. That by the age of 14, almost every child will have been exposed to porn. I mean, here's what this means. That if you have a child in double digits, then you better be having conversations with them about lust and sexuality and porn. Because if you don't, someone else will. If you don't, someone else will. And I think you want to be the person that is leading the conversation in this area. Or at least you're going to want to have God-fearing people leading this conversation. It's the reason that I'm talking about it right now. Because I know there are a lot of teenagers in this group. I know there's a lot of young adults in here that need to hear about. It's the reason on Wednesday night that, that Clay shared with our high schoolers on this topic. It's the reason that on Thursday night, uh, Andrew Sally shared on this topic with our middle schoolers. Because we want to come alongside of you as a parent and have God-honoring conversations when it comes to lust and porn and sexuality. Because we want our students to think right when it comes to this issue. And I, I don't want us just to think about it from a pornographic website issue. We need to think about it more than that. That, that we need to understand when, when, when lust comes in through pornography abuse, it's not just a website you might go to. It's an Instagram handle you might follow. It's a hashtag you might chase. It's a photo you might send. It's a movie you might watch. It's, it's things that go on in everyday life. So what we have to do is we have to figure out how do I keep from lusting in the world that I live in? And what most people will say is, well, you gotta figure out how to guard your eyes. That's not what I'm gonna share with you today. Like, I do think we need to guard our eyes, but let's just be honest. We live in America. It is impossible not to see things that are sexual, in our world. It's impossible. So, so to me, what I'm going to say is this. It's not about what you see. It's about what you do in the five seconds after you see it. And that comes down to your mind. That in my mind, I have to win this war. Because again, I might see something, but what do I do with that thought in the next five seconds will determine if I am going to stay hinged or be unhinged by lust. So, so what do we do? What do we do in those next five seconds? Well, well, that's where I really wanna dive in on some practical things. 
that just like last week, I gave you four very practical things you can do when it comes to anger. Today, I wanna give you four very practical things you can do when it comes to sex and lust, all right? So, so here they are. If you got a phone, then bring out your phone and take some notes. Or if you got a journal, write down, write down some things and, uh, because these are practical tips on how to keep from being unhinged and to win the war with your mind when it comes to sex and lust. And, and the first thing I would say is simply this, that you need to recognize the thought, that we have to recognize when a thought comes in. Because again, I said that it, it's almost impossible to keep yourself from seeing things in the world that we live in. It's almost impossible to keep yourself from thinking at different times things. But when that thought comes into your mind that is not of God, that is not according to God's will, immediately recognizing that thought. That when, when you, you see something, recognize, I don't need to look at that again. That, that I need to recognize what might be coming into my head. Uh, Craig Gershell, he's a pastor at uh, Life Church in Oklahoma. He said it this way. He said that when you recognize, you need to be willing to remove. That, that he said it, that if you know a temptation today that you can beat, remove it today so that you're not tempted by it tomorrow. So that's the reason I would say this. The first thing we have to do is recognize the thought. And then the second thing you have to do is remove the thought. Remove what you can today so that you're not tempted by it tomorrow. Uh, let me explain it this way. Recognize, all of a sudden a thought comes in that you see a girl in the gym and you wanna stare a little bit longer. Recognize it, remove it. That all of a sudden you're at work and you see somebody and, and you wanna look, look at maybe their cleavage or you wanna look at their butt. Recognize the thought and remove the temptation. I have to recognize and then I have to remove. It's what Jesus said. We can continue on in the verse that we've been looking at. It's Matthew chapter five. He says this, so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, when you read that, you might go, whoa, Jesus is serious about this. Yes. Now, I don't think he's being literal here. There are some people that, that would proclaim he's being literal, but I think what he's doing is he's really talking about the mental side, that if we recognize a thought, that when that thought comes in, Say to yourself that I'm not gonna give this thought permission to land. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna tell that thought that it has to keep on going. I'm gonna remove it from my head. And I think Jesus in this way is saying the same thing, that I have to remove those thoughts from my mind. I recognize that they're ungodly. I recognize a lustful thought comes in and then I immediately cut it off. I immediately remove it and I do not allow it to take a place where it can land in my head. Well, to do that, there's one other step you gotta do. See, I gotta recognize a thought. 
then I have to remove the thought. And I often remove the thought by rerouting my thoughts. That, that I gotta reroute my brain. That, that I've gotta go into my mind because here's reality. For some of us, we have images in our mind. That something that we saw 20 years ago for 20 seconds is still taking up residency there. And we've got to go into our brain and we've got to excavate it. We've got to go through with a bulldozer and, and plow up those pathways that have been formulated in our brain when it comes to lust and sex. And we've got, we got to lay new road. We've got to lay down maybe new fiber, if I could say it that way. That we got to lay down a new trench, a, a new canal, a new path. We have to reroute our brain. Now, Paul said to do it this way in the book of Romans. He said, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way that you worship. And what I love about that, that verse is he's saying, if you really want to worship, give your body to God. And see, we live in a culture that says, no, it's my body. I'll do with it what I want. But what scripture teaches is your body is from the Lord. Give it to him. Honor him this way. And then the verse continues. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Do you see it there? That we have to change the way we think. That's what God is challenging us to do. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I've got to reroute my brain, my thought pattern. Uh, Paul continues on. He says it this way in Philippians. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Fix your thoughts on those kind of things. Think about these, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That that's really what Paul is trying to get at here. He's saying we change our thought pattern by thinking about things that are of God. And that's the challenge that I want to give to each and every one of us is that we need to reroute our brain and we need to start thinking about things of God. See, in our world, we often think about sexuality. We think about lust. We think it's not a big deal. It will ruin your life. It will cause you to be unhinged. It will lead to brokenness. But if I can reroute my brain and think of Scripture, if I can reroute my brain and think of maybe worship songs, if I can reroute my brain and think of things I'm learning in our quest study, if I can reroute my brain and think about things I, I, I maybe learn at, at Regen, that, that I'm putting things that are admirable, that are lovely, that are pure, that are noble. And then when I put that scripture in my brain, here's how it works. That all of a sudden, a lustful thought tries to come in and I don't want to commit lust. I don't want to get unhinged. So I recognize that thought. 
And then I remove that thought. I say, I don't want that thought in there. And the way I remove it is by focusing on the rerouting that I've done with the pure thoughts. And I'll say, that's not of God, but what is of God is for me to honor God with my body. That thought is not of God, but what is of God is I've made a covenant with my eyes. That, that, that is not of God, so I'm removing that and I've rerouted my brain because I'm thinking about what is pure. I'm thinking about that I've offered my body to the Lord. I'm thinking about the way God has designed sex and, and the way it should be lived out. You see how it works? I recognize, I remove, I reroute, and then there's a fourth step. The fourth step is to repent. To repent of things that we've done in the past, but also to repent in the present. And repentance in the present could be because I'm living in it right now. Repentance in the present could be because I know this is a battle that I have. And here's what I want us to understand about repentance is I want us to understand that to repent, you've gotta get real. And, well, I think the best way for us to explain that and to dive deeper into that is to let one of our pastors come up and really explain what it means to repent. You know, I think we struggle with repentance partial because we don't understand forgiveness. One is to repent. We kind of have to unpackage everything we've been holding on to. Those things that we stuff in the closet. Those things that maybe we've been dealing with for 40 years or last night. We're struggling with but God, I, if, if I have to pull this out I've got to deal with it, and if I've got to deal with it, somebody might not forgive me. Somebody might judge me. Somebody might not look at me the same. But I can tell you that repentance and the act of repentance of dealing with this junk in my life and I'm turning to Jesus, I'm telling you, Jesus is faithful to forgive. Jesus is faithful to forgive, and he doesn't care what skeletons you have in your closet, what kind of baggage you have in your closet, whether it's something that you did or something that somebody did to you. Guys, we know that, God, sins of, of sexuality, sins of lust, they run deep, and they hurt deep, and they cut deep. And it's hard to pull that junk out and go, Lord, here it is. I can tell you that it's a mindset of change because so often we go, well, this didn't work, so I'm going to go here. And I'm going to deal with my pain, my hurt with somebody else, a substance, become a workaholic. You name it, There's people go whatever vice they have, but repentance is that act of going, I'm turning away from this, and I'm going to make my thoughts the thoughts of Jesus. Because, he, one, he desires 
to forgive us. He's made that path of forgiveness to him. We just have to turn. Many of us have gone, well, how can he? And I'm telling you, he is faithful to look at you and say, son, daughter, pick up your head. He has forgiven you. That's tough. Because we don't understand that. Because when people hurt us, it's like we're going to hold on to it. But I'm telling you, Jesus is faithful to forgive like you've never seen before. And it's in that act of repentance. It's in that act of turning to him, to look at him, to make my thoughts his thoughts. We can deal with this and we can move on. And today may be day one for you of going, I am putting this aside. Today may be the day that you've got to deal with something that happened to you 40 years ago. I don't know your story, but Jesus does. And he desires to bring healing into that story. He desires to have that relationship with you. He desires to see you deal with that baggage and to live for him. Because when we have that baggage and we're trying to live for him, we're dragging an anchor. We're dragging an anchor trying to get to him. As I'm telling you, he's faithful to forgive. And if you guys have been following in our quest journey, we talked about baptism this week. And just what an act of obedience that is. And some of you may be going here today, I don't, I don't even know what a relationship with Jesus looks like. A, relation, a relationship with Jesus starts with the act of repentance. Turning my thoughts into his thoughts. And we don't get it perfect day one. Paul even calls himself the chief of sinners. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Because it's in that act of repentance, of changing my mindset. And we do that through God's word and through his worship. But also do it in that step of baptism of burying that old life and risen anew in him. That's where it comes from. It's that act of obedience. And whatever step you're in, wherever you're at in your walk, I challenge you to examine that. To examine what do I need to unpackage? How do I need to deal with the sins of my life? And an act of repentance, I'm going to turn away from those things and move forward. Guys, today is the day that you can deal with that and start your journey of healing. You don't have to wait. Guys, we're going to spend some time in, in worship. And the way we designed our service today is we didn't do as much uh, worship on the front end because we wanted to take some time in the back end for you to sit in the presence of God and to help you, whatever that step is that you need to take today. Whether it's spending some time in the prayer corner, coming up and taking communion, Maybe it's looking to the person to your left or to your right and say, we've got some stuff to deal with. Because I'm telling you, guys, through a relationship with Jesus, through an act of repentance, we can, we can be confident that Jesus will forgive us and we can walk that out with him. How about do me a favor? Let's stand. I'm going to pray. And if you need to make any decision, we have people ready to receive you for baptism. We have prayer counselors at the Connect Corner. Whatever it may be, wherever you're at today, we'd love to walk that out with you. Jesus.
Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you for, God, that you're faithful who you are. God, that you are faithful to forgive and faithful to receive us. And God, if, God, I just pray that you speak to that heart today that, that they're dealing with that baggage, whatever it may look like, that you can let them know that, Lord, that nothing can separate you from them. God, I just pray for for that person today that's holding on. God, help them unpackage. God, help them surrender you today. God, help us in an act of worship today to remove things that are far from God. God, help us to change our mind. God, help us to have our thoughts be your thoughts. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about how to give to God through The Rock, you can find that information on our app or on our website. Another way that you can give to us is simply by subscribing to this podcast, rating it, telling your friends about it. All those things are super helpful. We hope you have a great week.